Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us pray. We give thanks, O God, for the reminders that we are not alone. Even the pesky ones, like pests in our homes, or deer eating our produce. We give thanks, O God, for the kindness of a stranger and the undeserved grace you offer us. We give thanks, O God, for the person sitting beside us, for those listening to the podcast, for the connection you give us when we decide to come together to worship you. And so we bend our frames, our egos, our to-do list and our schedules to worship you. Amen. Let us stand and sing. I got the pleasure and privilege and joy to take a group of high school youth to Montreat Youth Conference for a week. And at the end of this week, one of the youth said to me and said to the group, the reason I love this place so much is that I feel that I can be honest with myself, I can be honest with you people, and I can be honest 
with God. And what a joy that is. And friends, I challenge us that maybe this place right here is a place where we can be honest with God. So let's do that by praying together the prayer of admission as found in your program. Let us pray. Lord, we need your grace and you offer it freely. Forgive us for the ways we harm each other and for the ways we harm ourselves. Forgive us for when we write people off as lost causes. Create in us clean hearts, O Lord. Help us choose your way of love, peace, and justice. Hear us as we pray silently. good news is that amazing grace that Arisha sang about earlier is offered to us all. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it, but it is given to us. And we have the responsibility and task of giving it to others. Friends, you are forgiven. We are forgiven. And we are called to forgive. We are loved, called to love one another. Alleluia. Amen. We are in the second week of a summer series, summer sermon series, and we're calling it The Mixtape. Remember back in the day when you wanted to make a gift for a friend of yours or maybe for a special boo, you would take um, a fresh cassette tape, maybe a Maxell or Memorex, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You'd put it in, some of you know what I'm talking about, those of you under age, I don't know, 27 or just lost right now, but you would put it in your cassette recorder and you turn on the radio and you would just wait for the DJ to quit talking, right? Get out of the way so that you could press record and get that song. When you got maybe six tracks or so, then you would get out the Sharpies, right? Yeah. 
and you'd write down the, the songs that were the tracks on the cassette tape and you might put who, who sang those songs or what they mean to you. You'd make it special, you know, a special gift for the person who was gonna receive it. Well, we are playing our downtown church mixtape this summer. A few months back, we sent an email, a newsletter, asking you to submit your favorite scripture verses. Several of you did. And then we compiled, we formatted six of those to be the tracks that we would preach, scriptures that we would preach this summer. And today is track two. So I invite you to uh, follow along with me either in your Bible or in the program. We're reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, the first seven verses. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes, they were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and he eats with them too. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having 100 sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one lost until he finds him? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And when he comes home, he, he calls together all his friends and his neighbors and he says, hey, come rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep. Just so, I tell you, Jesus says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The word of God for us, the people of God. The title of today's sermon is Good for Us. Good for Us. What we just read is one of Jesus' many parables, and I personally love Jesus' parables. A parable is a story that doesn't make sense. It's not meant to. Didn't make sense to the original people who heard the words from Jesus' mouth in first century Palestine, and it doesn't make sense to our ears today either. A parable is uh, a story that Jesus just throws alongside. A parable is a mystery, a puzzle for our minds as well as our hearts. Parables are fun, in my opinion. Good material for a summer sermon series. I wish I could preach them all summer because simply put, parables are good for us. There's a theologian, Justo Gonzalez, who has written the story of Christianity. It's a history book in two parts. It sits up on my bookshelf in my office and every now and again, I'll pull it down and flip through the history of our people of faith you know, I'll read about all the times in history where we turned left and we ought to turn right and we learn from those mistakes. I learn about our story of God's faithfulness toward us and Jesus' mercy for us. Well, this guy, Justo Gonzalez, he grew up in Havana, Cuba. 
And he learned first about the Bible, about Jesus in his home church. And then he came to the United States to pursue his PhD in Bible and history. And looking back on his studies in the United States, he laments. He laments that though he now better understands the Bible, he doesn't quite know what to do with it anymore. He says in the United States, we approach the Bible critically, almost cautiously, as something to be dissected, to be understood. He says, rarely, rarely do we expect it to be good to us, good for us. Well, I'm going to ask that we approach this parable from Husto's upbringing not as something to be dissected, like we might dissect a mouse to see its biological wiring. I want us to listen with ears for how it is good for us, a gift. And I want us to listen specifically in the place of the one lost sheep. So hear this parable again. Jesus says, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one until you find it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls all his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me for I have found my lost sheep just so. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. All right, what is it like for us as the one lost sheep? Well, we're alone, right? Stress eating on the side of the mountain, right? We're like diverting our eyes back and forth, checking for predators, hoping that we could spot another sheep. We've lived long enough to know that the odds are against us. When we are out alone in the wilderness without a shepherd to direct us, we're vulnerable to things like a storm or the grass drying up or, or a larger animal that passes by and seeing us alone doesn't think twice about taking us home for dinner. We know that our odds for being found are not great. We don't have a compass. We don't have a map. We don't have any idea where the shepherd is leading the rest of the herd. Think about it. This shepherd has 100 sheep. Losing one is just a tax to the system, right? One is bound to go missing from time to time. Don't worry about that. They probably expect it to happen. So we are not expecting for the good shepherd to come find us. How good. How good is it then when he does? Jesus says the shepherd, meaning himself, goes looking for the lost one. The good shepherd leaves 99 sheep to go search for the one who is missing. It does not make sense to our brains and it's not supposed to. Jesus' love is more expansive than we could ever expect. It surprises us 
We may not even agree with the ethics or the economics of it, and that's okay, it doesn't matter. It is good for us. With the one lost sheep, Jesus may be naming those of us who are in a risky deal at work. We feel kind of alone in it, especially in this economy. He may be naming those of us who feel on the outs of like an inner circle of friends. He may be naming those of us that are here, worshiping God today, but not not quite sure what God has to do with us. We might be wandering a bit. We might feel lost a bit. We might feel alone. Well, to you, to me, who find ourselves as the one lost sheep, Jesus seeks us out. Jesus finds us. It's like Jesus is saying loud and clear, you, hey, you are my beloved. You are worthy of my time. You are worth risking all that I have. I will find you. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. No matter how much we seek God out in scripture or meditation or all those apps and podcasts you can find on your phone, no matter how many spiritual trips we go on, retreats that we take, no matter how much we seek God out, God is seeking us too. It's good for us. And then when Jesus finds us, he lifts us to his shoulders and he rejoices, like he lets out a shout and we can feel his smile on us. How good does it feel to be found? And then he carries us back to the safety of the group. And you know what Jesus does? I love this part. Jesus makes the group rejoice. Did y'all catch that? He makes them rejoice that we have been brought home. After leaving them, he makes them rejoice. It's not good enough that we are found. It's not good enough that Jesus and all the heavens rejoice, no. Jesus makes the whole group rejoice that we are found. Y'all know that's not how group dynamics typically work. When a lost sheep comes back to the herd, there are expectations for that lost sheep. An apology to start for wandering off. A promise not to do it again, at least a week of some side eye for being the problem child. But here, here Jesus says no. Jesus doesn't make the lost sheep do any of the work. Jesus puts it all on the group to celebrate, to rejoice, for this sheep was lost, but now is found. It feels good to be welcomed back by a group, no strings attached, no projected emotions, nobody, you know, making you feel bad for how you made them feel when you were gone, unsafe on that mountain. Jesus honors our experience and and celebrates that though we were lost, we are found. 
The worshiper who submitted this verse for our downtown church mixtape, he says this. He says when he hears this verse, or actually reads all of Luke 15, he says what he gets out is this. It's perfectly okay if you are not among the flock. Because God is searching for you. Earlier this week, I went on a hike with um, both of my kids. We hiked a trail in Montreat, North Carolina called Lookout Trail. It's a trail that, that goes up Lookout Mountain. I know it's original, right? Goes up Lookout Mountain and it leads you to a great lookout at the top. My kids are ages four and one, and it was just me hiking with them. And I felt confident taking this, them on this trail because um, I've hiked this trail many times in my life, at least 30 times before. So baby girl on my back, grown up kid, age four, on his own two feet ahead of me, we took off on this mountain. I told myself before we started, I'm a like task completer, you know, so I had to level my expectations for the company I keep. I told myself that we were not gonna make it to the top of the mountain, right? I mean, I fully expected to turn around after five minutes of being on that mountain and it's not what happened. My oldest kept saying, don't stop till we reach the top, <laughs> which has to be like a line in some kid's show somewhere, right? And he kept looking at me and he said, I promise, mommy, I promise my legs are strong, I can do it. So with pride in my eyes and steps as tall as he is, we climbed. With each step, I got nervous. You see, Lookout Trail, it's usually a packed trail. It's very popular. I don't think I've ever hiked it and been fully alone, but this time, we were alone. You see, we started off on this trail just as a thunderstorm had ended and most people, some might call them wise people, waited another hour after the thunderstorm to begin the trail, waited for, you know, a few more cars at the trailhead, not me. So we were alone and even though I know that trail really well, like the back of my own hand, we were alone in the wilderness. The wilderness, which is not our home, but is home to lots of creatures. So I realized, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to run as fast as I think I can with these two munchkins, say if a black bear were to emerge. And, and who would I protect if something were to happen, right? Like I only have so many hands, I'm not gonna choose between my two children. And then I started to worry about what if something happens to us? What if we get sick or hurt? What if I get hurt? It's not like the two of them could carry me down the mountain or, or one could stay with me and the other one go get help. I suddenly felt quite vulnerable. I realize there's support when we hike in groups. There's safety in numbers. There is safety when 99 sheep are together, even as their shepherd leaves them to go search for the lost one. They are safer together than we are when we are alone. And Jesus knows this. Jesus leaves them 
to seek out the lost, the one, you, me. Y'all, this Bible, this parable, Jesus, is good for us. It's good for us. Amen. Oh, 
I took some of the youth on that same trail that Dawn was talking about. She wasn't joking when she said the stairs were steep, um, at least twice as Lincoln's size in some cases. So in your uh, program, you'll see a prayer for the, um, the kids. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this week, we're going to have about 40 kids, ages uh, kindergarten through sixth grade, running around this building, learning about God and the kindness that God has for us and the kindness that God calls us to share. So I invite you with your kids, by yourself, with anyone to pray this prayer this week so that our youngest members of this church might know the love that God has for them. With that, let us pray. God, our shepherd, we are your flock. We don't all look alike, we don't all think alike, and we certainly don't have the same problems. But God, we are your people. In a world where we can so quickly feel like a burden, feel like a hopeless, lost cause, we rejoice knowing that you never give up on us. God, sometimes we are the lost sheep. Sometimes we are the 99 waiting patiently or impatiently. And sometimes we are called to fill the role of the shepherd, seeking those who are lost and welcoming them into nourishing community. God, on this day and this week, remind us that we are loved. Fill us with your love so that we can undertake the difficult task of transforming your world. Give us the courage to be kind, Give our leaders the wisdom to be just. And give our world the ability to be compassionate and curious. God, for we do not choose to love just because it is the right thing. We choose to love because you loved us first. And hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now we come to the time in service where we affirm what we believe, saying the words of the Apostles' Creed, which are older than all of us combined, probably. So let's stand and say together the words. Downtown Church, what is it that you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Please remain standing as we sing together what a friend we have in Jesus. Beloved, read scripture as a gift to you. And as we go from this time of worship together, may the peace 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.